The consensus tight end one for the 2024 NFL draft class is Georgia's Brock Bowers. But who is giving chase? Who's climbing Mount Everest to meet him for a seat at the top? We'll rank and tell you about those prospects next on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. You are Locked On NFL Draft, your daily podcast covering the NFL Draft. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Locked On family? Let's get locked in. Welcome back to the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, your daily podcast covering your favorite draft prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your boy, Damian Parson, always on the ones and twos. You can find me and follow me on Twitter at DP underscore NFL. My national scout over with the Draft Network and the host of the Locked On Clemson Tiger Football Podcast. Guys, as always, man, we thank y'all for making Locked On NFL Draft your first listen today and every single day, Monday through Friday. Appreciate all the love and support on YouTube, Apple uh, Podcasts, as well as Spotify. But as always, the champ is here, Mr. LSU himself, my guy, Keith Sanchez. You can find and follow him on Twitter at The Talent Code. Keith, talk to him, baby. What's up, Locked On family? This is Keith Sanchez, Senior Draft Analyst with the Draft Network. Man, and like DP always, cues up what? 2019 National Champion those LSU Tigers, man. But you know why we're here? Your dynamic duo. We're here to give you championship-level content surrounded the NFL draft, right? Whether that's prospects, whether that's philosophies, whether that's roster management or depth chart, man. And we're going through right now. We're in our scouting notebook series, right? So we're going position by position and giving you the heads up on guys. We did our summer scouting, and now we're telling you how we feel about these guys going into their draft-eligible season or their second or third draft-eligible season, right? And we went through the wide receivers yesterday. We went through what we call like to call the playmakers. Now we're going through a position that is, is, is starting to become more popular, right? And that's the tight ends, DP. And I think this conversation, you started off with King of the Mountain, right, in our, in, in our today's show segments. And it's going to be similar to what yesterday was as far as one guy being at the top and having that discussion just about how great he is. And we're going to kick this thing off, DP, with Brock Bowers. He's in your region. Why don't you talk to the people about him? Man, Brock Bowers, man, he is at the top of the mountain all by himself right now. I think he is the consensus. At least he should be the consensus tight end one. When you look at his size, his his speed and open field, uh, the, the ability to find and locate soft spot. I think that's where, Keaton, we, we know that with tight ends, there's such a mismatch for in terms of man coverage, where it's like it's such a conundrum or how you who you put on them, right? Like you you want to put a linebacker on them, but typically they're too tall or too big for linebackers. Then okay, well, uh, or they're too athletic for linebackers, typically, you know, and then you put okay, I could put a nickel corner on them, right? Well, he's tip. They're typically too big for the nickel corner, and then all around they're just typically too big, too fast, too strong for safeties. So you, what do you do? You typically run, try to run zone and try to bracket and, and tighten windows and stuff like that. But Brock Bowers, man, talk about being the security blanket for Stetson Bennett, being able to find those and locate those soft spots, sit down in it, work. The, and he he's one of those tight ends that can beat you in multiple in a multitude of ways. We're talking about the vertical stretch up the seam. The, the, the end breakers, the, the, the end cutters, the deep crossers, the shallow cross, the slants, right? Be detached from the line of scrimmage as well. Uh, run, you know, he's not the dynamic run blocker, but he does a good enough job to where you think about those those um, those kind of leak out plays off the off the play action where he sells the block and leaks out. 
not only that, but just a screen. They throw they throw tight end screens to the man. And, and this is the most impressive part. They give him handoffs and reverses, and he's able to showcase the speed to take it the distance and take it, you know, down the field, man. So I think for him, like he, he is the top guy. Ball skills are out of this world too at the tight end position. And he's not the He's not the six 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 seven tight end either, Keith. No, he's like that six four, six three, six four. What two twenty five, two thirty five, somewhere in there, to where it's like, all right, he's like a big receiver, but he plays the ball at the catch point, body control, hand eye coordination, all of that is just a chef's kiss for him, man. He, he's he's a talented guy, man. Talented guy. Yeah, I, so I, I I got into him yesterday and. Obviously, the talent is there, but you want to talk about the prospect that you're getting right. And, and it's important. We're going to continue to throw this comp out. I just I just think it's so appropriate. And that's George Kittle, man. And I just kept thinking of those teams, right, that, you know, whether it's Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, that exact tree, right, like that, that come from that, that, you know, have a lot of those tight ends doing that 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 motion, right, that motion with that play action type, you know, uh, bootleg type situation to get them out on the perimeter. Because to me, his best asset, D.P., is his ability to run after the catch. I think that's what makes him special because you see the burst, you see the explosiveness, but something that's becoming more and more important to me when I watch tight ends is their ability to break tackles because you have to think about it. Nine times out of 10, they're going to be in the middle of the field, right? So they're going to be multiple defenders within five yards of them. You know what I'm saying? Like it's usually multiple. Like it's not like wide receivers where they just run past the corner and then they're going for the touchdown, right? So a lot of their yardage is going to come after they catch the football. So run after the catchability is so important for me. And I just think George Kittle is, is it, I mean, I, I said George Kittle. I'm already throwing the comp. I think Brock Bowers is just on another level when it comes to the run after the catchability. And I'll even go this, right, because we're going to talk about the legacy conversation of, you know, how good is Brock Bowers. And we're talk about the next probably unicorn that came, right, it was probably Kyle Pitts a couple years ago. I would say this. I think it's easier to get the football to Brock Bowers, right? Like, like I, I think Kyle Pitts, and we've seen it last year, right? It's dependent on the quarterback getting them the football. But I think because of Brock Bowers' short area quick, quickness, explosiveness, like you said, you can simply give him handoffs and he can be okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the short yardage stuff, he has short area quickness to where he can make somebody miss and get upfield. So I think it's it, they're two different players, right? So it's very hard to compare them. I think they're almost polar opposites. But yeah. I think it's much easier to get Brock Bowers involved into a game plan because it's not necessarily just dependent on the quarterback. No, no, <clears throat> that is 100% correct because you can give him those manufactured touches, the quick the quick hitters because of his short area quickness, but also his strength. Now, to get it twisted, like we, we both know that Kyle Pitts is, what, 6'6", 240, somewhere in there. Like he's a strong guy himself. But that short area quickness and the ability to break through arm tackles is that kind that leans more so into Brock Bowers' game because at times he's like a bull when he gets the football in his hands. Yeah, he, he turns into like a running back, man. And it's like it's really difficult to for especially for the DBs out in space, right? We always talk about DBs being able to just be a solid tackler, but a guy like Brock Bowers is gonna make you have to like break down and like you're thinking about some things when you're trying to square him up because he is so compact and so strong. And to be honest with you, Keith, and you tell me. I don't think that from a frame standpoint, I don't believe he's maxed out yet. I think he can actually fill in just a tad more and get a even get uh add more muscle mass to his body and even get a little bit stronger without sacrificing his athleticism. Yeah, I, I think there's there's five to ten pounds there, right? Like even even if it's not solely muscle and it's just 
mass. I, I think there's five to ten pounds there where you keep a, a fairly athletic Brock Bowers, right? But I, I, once again, DP, we talked about Marvin Harrison Jr. yesterday. I think this guy is special. You know what I'm saying? He's just a yeah. special talent, a special player from Napa Valley, California, of all places, right? You think of wine, you don't think of football players. But he stepped <laughs> right into Georgia, and since a freshman, he's been a dominant football player. So I'm excited to see what he does this year also. And, and let's see what the quarterback play look like, right? Because if you have a quarterback that can push the ball down the field even more, maybe we get more Brock Bowers, the receiving tight end versus just, you know, like the, the, the inline and, you know, jet sweep and motion and things like that. So I think it's going to be fairly excited with DP, man, that was Brock Bowers. I, and I, I, like I said, man, I think he's special. He's a rare talent at the tight end position. What he offers is immediately um, can be immediately impactful impactful on the NFL in the NFL on the next level. But I want to keep this conversation because I don't think it's just a Brock Bowers round one conversation. There are a couple guys um, that can, that can push to be in that first round discussion. Uh, so let's get into that next talking about these other tight ends that can jump into that first round and make a run at it with Brock Bowers. Take your first swing at betting on major league baseball with FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount and bonus bets back up to two hundred dollars guys you heard me correct up to two hundred dollars that's right just bet twenty dollars twenty bucks and you'll land two hundred dollars back in bonus bets and it doesn't matter if you win or lose that's two hundred dollars you can bet you can spend betting on everything from the money line to the over under to who you think is going to hit the first home run all of this guys on the app that is safe secure and super easy to use you know my slogan no stress no mess. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly right away. There's no better place to bet on, on all the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 back in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on because FanDuel is the official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, Keith. Tier two tight end. So we know who's at the king at the top of the mountain. Who's climbing at the, at the catcher? Who's climbing I'll, at the catcher? Hey, let me go. I want to go. I want to go. I got to get after it. I'm going to go with Texas tight end Jatavian Sanders, man. Listen, I think listed at 6'4", 245 pounds. And I think what he, what George Kittle offers is a little bit different, but I think he can offer similar things, right? Like this is a guy, like I said, on those play action bootleg when you get the quarterback out of the pocket and then that tight end is just kind of leaking in that flat area. He's one of those guys that's run after the catch. You can see burst. Um, you see contested catch. This is a guy that runs the scene well. He, he he catches in traffic. So there are so many things that like. And then DP, we talk about this new age tight end, right? He can split out wide, and and we've had minimal discussions about this, but he really reminds me of Eric Ebron, right? The tight end from some years ago from North Carolina. I, I, he reminds me of him, man. Just a really smooth, athletic guy. Um, that can do multiple things from the tight end position. I know you just got eyes on him for the first time. I want to ask you, how, how do you feel about him? Like, What, what do you see in his skill set? I think there's a lot more development that we can see from this young man. Like he, like yeah. he's a 6'4", it's about 240, 250. And last year was his first year of being able to really produce 54, you know, 72 targets, 54 receptions, uh, 75% reception percentage 613 yards averaging a little over 11 yards per catch and five total touchdowns so the numbers are there and with the offense that they have this year no yeah no Bijan robinson but they're gonna be able to run the ball for texas because they do have uh some some talented backs that are coming back but with you know xavier worthy and you know uh adnan mitchell and, and the yep. other receivers that they have there teams here. are going to 
Isaiah Nair, you know, he's yeah, he's coming back. I think he got hurt last year. Yeah. Defense is not going to be able to key in on this kid. And I think if, if with Steve Sarkeesian being a former NFL play caller as well, I could see some of that because, you know, in the, as we know in the NFL, when you got a lot of weapons and you got a tight end where the tight end can really be really work without so much restriction, what typically happens is he becomes the security blanket for the quarterback. And I think this is a season, this, this is shaping up to be a year where, all right, if they want to play too high, they want to take away, you know, all the receivers that Jatavian, you know, Jatavian Sanders could have the opportunity to roam the middle of the field. They're, I think it was like Alabama. You saw them split out wide, get one-on-one with linebackers and safeties. They're trying to throw fade routes to them. And it, that was just last year. I think that we could see uh, uh, an increase of that. I think we should see an increase of that, especially in the red zone. The low red zone, man, if you go three by one, Keith, you know what I'm saying? You in shotgun, you inside the 10. Yeah, and that one is Jatavian Sanders. I'm motioning him out. I, if they want to play man-to-man across the board, cool. I'm going to motion him out to the outside, and I want that safety or that linebacker, whoever's key to guard him one-on-one, I'm isolating him, and I'm going to throw that jump ball. So I want to see more from him. He runs seam routes, corner routes, a lot of different routes. Man, I was impressed with him, uh, especially with the, you know, Quinn U was being in and out of the lineup last year. Now if we get a full season of Quinn. At quarterback, right, with his accuracy, his ball placement, uh, his touch, and, and, and everything that he brings to the table, man, listen, 613 yards might just be just the tip of the iceberg but what we can see from Sanders, man. No, I agree. And listen, you're talking about 613, right? That's 613 with inconsistent quarterback play. You know, and and I exactly. you and, and that's what we talk about production and just let you know that he's productive. But when you watch this guy on film, you can see how his skill set can translate, right? Like, I mean, his skill set can just translate to the NFL. It, it just, it fits well. It's smooth. He, like, you know, he knows what he's doing, right? And, and, and the physical part of it, I want to give a little background on him. So in high school, he went to the same high school with Drew Sanders. Him and Drew Sanders went to the same exact high school. And they both played outside linebacker, right? So that's a hell of a high school. Right? You got Jatavian <laughs> Sanders and, and uh, Drew Sanders playing outside linebacker for you. But I want to, the reason I'm saying that is because he has a physical nature to him also, right? And, and that shows in his stiff arms and run after the catch ability. Like, he's, he's a little bit scrappy, right? Like, he, he'll get after yeah. it some. And I just talked about how much I value run after the catch ability. But, DP, I want to keep this train moving with throwing guys out there. And that's somebody that I watched this morning. And Utah has another one. Brent, yep. <laughs> I like him, I like him, I like him. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to start with my one concern. I looked at his size. He's 6'2", 225. Mm-hmm. So that's almost a wide receiver, right? Like you're, you're, you're bordering on that threshold, but talking about the player, man, he's smooth, man. He's smooth. Um, he, he, he has that acceleration. He reminded me a lot of Sam Laporta, right? Like where they just, they were easy gliders, a, a Luke schoolmaker, right? And you know, that was two yeah. of my guys. Well, I just thought that they were just easy gliders once they got the football in their hands and, and, and with Keith, you see him accelerate. And I would say this, I, I, if we're talking about a receiving option, I think he was smoother than Dalton Kincaid, and and there's no there's no knock to Dalton Kincaid, but I thought he was just a little bit smooth as a player, and that could come down to right that you know Dalton Kincaid may have been 20, 30 pounds heavier than him, but I, I like this is a guy that I'm I'm soft circling to say hey to some some you know position or some team may fall in love with this guy um because we've seen this style player uh come out of the draft time and time again. No, hundred percent, and I agree with you. He was. To me, smoother than, than Kincaid as well, and that was hard because Kincaid was he was smooth as silk, man. He was he was an easy mover, you know. And and you see that same thing with with Brant. And and to be honest with you, I remember Brant like before the season 
Brent was the guy I knew more about than Dalton Kincaid. I already knew that Brent could ball, you know what I mean, from you know from the previous uh, you know year because he, he I think he got hurt. He was only limited to yeah he got hurt. He was only limited to four games, but he came out the the, the gate like game busters versus Florida. 13 targets, nine receptions, 105 yards, almost 12 yards a, a catch, and a touchdown. He had three uh, – in the first three games, he had three touchdowns in those first three games. They, and then he got hurt, you know what I mean? And I think it was week four. He was only, you know, relegated to just two two uh, two targets and two receptions, and, and, you know, when they play Arizona State. But going to 2021, man had 611 yards and six touchdowns, right? And that's with Dalton KB on the team and everything. So I think – he was. I think he was still gonna have a really good season. Cause I'm gonna be honest with you, I didn't know many of the you know the Utah receivers. So I, it was good. it was gonna be between those two tight ends, man. But I absolutely, uh, I, I'm with you, Keith. And, and for you talk about you know Schoonmaker, his teammate Eric All uh, is a guy that I think he could be. I, I could have thrown him into the sleeper category, but I wanted to bring him up, man. Six five, two almost two sixty. He run blocks. He's got good straight line speed. Uh, you know, good good hands as a as a pass catcher as well, and it's just you now. You it's weird because he's going from one running offense to another running offense, so it's not like he's gonna have the opportunity because he played. You know, Michigan ran the ball like seventy five percent of the time last year. You know, well for the past two years because the quarterback play has been a little uneven. Now he's going to Iowa where the same quarterback, Kate McNamara, is follow is going with him too. I think Kate went first and then Eric Hall followed them. So we're going to see what that Iowa offense will look like. But I think if if they can get him the ball, I think he can make some plays for him. But, Keith, I know that you've seen this guy before. What are your thoughts on Michael Trigg out of Ole Miss? Yeah, I think he's a player that is going to put up a lot of numbers, right? And and for him – We hope. He hasn't yeah. done it yet. <laughs> I, I, and what I, what I think is this. I think he's going to put up good numbers. And I think he, he's a he's going to be that big body target for the quarterback, Jackson Dart. And he, he's going to need to be that because we've seen Jackson Dart and his inconsistencies as a quarterback, right? And I, I think he, he reminds me, it's going to be how athletic is he? Because I, he, he appears to be a high-cut guy, and so short every quickness may not be his thing. And sometimes I, I don't think he lumbers, right, but his long strides, you know, and, yeah. and that's what I kind of see out of him. So if I had to compare him to anybody what I think he can – potentially be it's almost like a jared cook-esque type player right where they just kind of stretch it vertical catch the football and then get up the field but everything is kind of on a vertical plane you cool with like is he someone that you like like jared jared cook you can kind of detach him into the slot even a little bit especially in his prime cook would even kind of go out wide at times is that what you can kind of foresee movement wise uh in terms of movement ability his movement skills with, with trig he could do the same thing I I think he I think he's more of that style of player, right? Than gotcha. just the short area quickness and things like that. I Jared might be a little bit more athletic, like like slightly mm-hmm. more to where you you feel like he can win. I think if you do it with Trig at this point, it'll be schematics, right? Like a, a scheme situation to get a mismatch with another player. You know what I'm saying? Like last yeah. year when he had Jonathan Mingo, like if you were gonna ride, you know, see who goes out with the tight end to figure some things out. But I don't necessarily think he's beating tight ends um off the line. I mean beating cornerbacks off the line of scrimmage. Gotcha. No, no listen, I'm I'm just, it's a guy that he hasn't he hasn't hit over two hundred over hundred and sixty receiving yards yet in his career. I think this is a season 
um, in this Lane Kiffin offense that can really let him shine. I think so. Cause I mean, he, he dominated the, the spring game, right? I think he had like two, three touchdowns or something like that. I checked out the spring game. So hopefully. They had no answer for <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And you don't know if that's Ole Miss defensive backs or <laughs> that could go either way. Right. So hopefully, you know, this is the year because there is some talent there. There is, there is a lot of things to like, but I think it's extremely cyber DP. I, I, I want, like I said, keep this thing going. Like we were rolling off these tight ends, and I still have more guys that I want to get to. And we're talking about these sleepers and sleepers, talking about just relatively unknown. Doesn't mean they're less talented, but just relatively unknown that we want to get into. So coming up next, we'll get into these sleeper tight end prospects. Guys, you know what time it is. The alarm is going off, and it's time to wake up about these sleeper tight ends. And Keith, I want to throw out a name that some people might be like, DP, bro, you tripping? He, he's not a sleeper, but I think he I think he should be. And that's Jaheim Bell, Keith for that, that transferred from South Carolina yep. to, 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 to over to your neck of the woods of Florida State with your region. And of course, with me watching Spencer Rattler, I saw Jaheim Bell. And I remember you told me he's like, man, DP, they did a lot of stuff with this dude. He's in the backfield like a running back, taking handoffs. And I was like, Keith ain't no way. And then I watched right. I'm watching Spencer Sanders and I'm like, is that Jaheim Bell taking the uh uh uh, uh, halfback dive, like, what are we like? Yeah, what are he, we like, right I now? think Kentucky is the Kentucky game. He, he had like 20 carries. Like, I saw, I, I, I didn't know what, what was going on. I think I, I know what, why he transferred, right? I, think I know why. <laughs> like I think I know why this young man say, Man, I'm entering the portal, I'm getting out of here. Like, I'm not a running back, guys. Like, it so watching him, man, I, I see he's athletic, he's versatile. I and I think Keith, and, and again, this is a high end type of name. At his peak, Aaron Hernandez is one of the most dangerous tight ends in the NFL. And why is that? His foot quickness, his athleticism, and his versatility, right? He did some stuff in the backfield with, with the Patriots and at Florida, especially with the Patriots. They were, run, they were going shotgun and run like halfback dive with him. You know what I mean? So it's those type of things where I'm just looking at it, and I'm like, man, can he – can, can he can he get to there? Can, can he get to that level – of play because I feel like the skill set is so similar. I, I may be tripping, but when I watch him, I see some well, Aaron Hernandez. I, who who I see is I see some Delaney Walker. How he Ooh, was used, I like that. With, how he was used with the Titans, and you know he used to do some of those wheel route type situations and things like that. I I, like I, that. I see some Delaney Walker just in his usage. I would say this, DP. If, if there's a concern about him, though, was the catching the football. I thought I, I, I seen. You, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, if they, you know, if you were going down the checklist, right, and it talks about natural hands catcher, I wouldn't necessarily just check that box, right? I'm, I'm gonna circle that, or highlight it, or put a question mark there <laughs> if I'm a scout, and you know, I, I like I gotta go see him in person and just see how that goes. But you're you're right, DP, like that athleticism and what he could be, and then we talk about this Florida State offense, and I just watched Jordan Travis. I'm I'm hoping that with the addition of well, you know, Johnny Wilson being there, Trey Benson being there, and then the addition of uh Keon Coleman, who we talked about yesterday, and then Jaheen Bell, that there's there's more I mean, it's is is more precision, right? Because sometimes that offense operated really random. And that's the part where I'm like, okay, I don't know how much Jaheem is gonna get fed because Jordan just did so much random stuff in the pocket and his processing wasn't necessarily you know, always consistent. So I want to see what Jaheim is going to do. But like you said, it, just how we had the conversation with George Kittle, right? Those guys that have the short every quickness and athleticism, 
sometimes it can be easier just to simply get them the football, right? Like, and, and we know that Jaheim is comfortable taking handoffs. Now you add in a jet sweep and other things like that, that you can see Jaheim be a, a, a fairly productive tight end next year. No, for sure. And another guy, and this is from your neck of the woods, you saw him up close and personal, and that's Eric Gilbert, man. He tra- transferring to Nebraska where a lot of people won't, you know, college football diehards are going to pay attention to Nebraska because of the Matt Rule uh, transfer, you know, well, not transfer, but him signing as the head coach and everything. People want to see him back in his element after the failed, you know, stint in the NFL. But then I'm also having a good, co- a talented quarterback in Jeff Sims. Keith, I'm going to say this. Eric Gilbert, is a better prospect skill-wise than what we saw for Darnell Washington last year. Like, I, I don't even think that's even close to me. Gilbert, I mean, you, yes, Darnell Washington, big, physical, can great catch radius. He just looks like a created player out there. But when I remember just going back to the LSU tape and how you guys used him that, that year he was there, it, it's freakish, man. Like, you, you, yeah, he's, he's too big to move the way he does. I, w- I would say this. When he's healthfully healthy or if he can you know get on the field and stay consistent he's closer to tight end one than he is tight end three talk like about that, it and, and, and that's the athletic profile that this guy has and like i said well you said right i seen it in person I, I like i seen him come in i think he was an early enrollee as a true freshman so you're talking about 17 years old step on a sec football field and immediately become you know our, our best football player or our best receiver outside of Terrence Marshall, but once Terrence, you know, and then Terrence Marshall went down and then he, you know, kind of opted out at that time also. But the guy was dominant, right? You're talking about a, a guy that can easily touch a thousand yards. And we, we probably, who knows if we're talking about Eric Gilbert as tight end one, if, um, you know, if he was able to play these past couple of years. Keith, 6'5", 255, almost 260, that can line up out wide, line up in the slot, Run in breakers, run skinny posts, run past safeties and linebackers. No, if he, if, if everything, if the stars had aligned for this young man early on, after a promising start at LSU, and consistent, it was consistently aligned for him. Oh no, that tight end one discussion, or oh, that mountain would have two seats on it, Keith. It, it yeah. wouldn't just be Brock Bowers sitting there by himself. He gonna have a, he gonna have a roommate at the top of the mountain because <laughs> Eric, Eric Gilbert is just that talented. But again. He's got we got to get consistent, but I think I'll say this. I do think Nebraska is really good for him because he's it's it's almost like out of sight, out of mind, where like you could just go there and play ball, right? We talked about that leading up to the draft with like Will Levis. What's a good what was a good place for him? A place like you know, in terms of like fit in terms of city, uh Indianapolis, uh a, a Tennessee, or some someplace that's that's not highly viewed where the market is so big, where you fall to you go to the Giants. You go to the Jets, you go to the Rams, you go to a big city. Oh, the lights are bright, baby. It, it, it's not so much time to develop. So I think with Eric being going to Nebraska, I think that's a good fit for him just from uh, an offensive skill set, uh, offensive fit, but also just a, a area where he could just go there. Don't have to worry about all the, the lights and action and all that stuff. Georgia is almost like Hollywood now. Like, there's cameras everywhere. He could just go there and play football, and I'm hoping that's the case. And one name I'll, I'll throw as another sleeper, Kate, Keith is Cade Stover over at Ohio State, right? Former linebacker, defensive end, and he plays a tight end position just like it, right? Uh, real physical, real aggressive and powerful. But, uh, you know, good hands for a guy that transitions from the defense side of the ball. I give him that. Uh, the biggest con- concern with him is route running and separation. And is he going to be a tight end one, or is he going to be more of those 
uh, where you have a pass catching tight end as your tight end one, and you bring him off the bench in 12 personnel to help in the run game. So is he going to be more of a run dominant guy as a prospect, uh, you know, heading to the NFL, or do you see a, a higher ceiling for him as a receiver? I think he's probably leaning more towards that run, that run blocking type of tight end. But again, this is a defense, a guy that's still learning how to play the position. I just question the athletic profile to be able to separate from NFL defenders on a on a snap to snap basis. Yeah, I agree. And and you the run defending, I mean the run blocking part made me think of one guy um that I got minimal eyes on and I had to watch the spring game to really see him. And that's Maryland transfer to Alabama, CJ Dipper Depre, the pride, Depre. I, it's it's something like that, right? There's no that his first name is CJ. He play, he wears number 81 for Alabama. And the reason I'm mentioning him is, right, we're talking about run blocking. We watched Cameron Latu go in the third round, and it was also a tight end. I think I had like a fourth, fifth round grade on that. I really appreciated his skill set. I thought it was well-rounded. He's another guy to soft circle that, hey, he can be a, a potential top 100 player because he just has a well-rounded skill set as a player. So, DP, man, we're rolling through these tight ends. We've rolled through these tight ends, let me say that, man. And as we wrap up this show, I just want to say, man, we went from top to bottom, right, throwing out the sleepers. We throw out the very best. But I think it is going to be a competitive uh, situation as far as these tight ends. What we've known is this, that year after year, these tight ends classes, right, they have gotten better and better and more well-rounded, and we know there'll be more tight ends that come out of nowhere. So I'm excited. I thought it was a hell of a show. Um, like I said, man, shout out to our everydayers for tapping in with us as we're, we're deep, right, deep into the month of July. Uh, we're going to hit August, right, but we're in this scouting notebook. We're unloading the names. We're unloading the clip, giving all the names as far as these, uh, you know, these prospects as we head into the football season. No, 100%, man. And as always, guys, we tell you all to go subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts and get the latest episode as soon as it's available. Thank you all again for making Locked On NFL Draft your first listen today and every day, being our family as well as our everyday as we love and appreciate y'all. Uh, in terms of tomorrow, man, on, on, well, it's the weekend. So we're getting into uh, Monday. And for Monday, we're going to have a mock draft, Monday 2024 mock draft that we're going to tap into and really break down uh, some of the fits and everything else that's going on. And uh, so, we, so we want y'all to tap in for that for an early 2024 mock draft Monday. But as always, in terms of Twitter, you can find Keith Sanchez at The Talent Code. I'm Damian Parson. You can find and follow me at DP underscore NFL. Talk to us because we do talk back. Come and join the conversation again tomorrow on the Locked On Podcast Network.